Hello, friends and listeners. This is your host, Denrock, with the Borderlands podcast, Enlightenment from the Fringe. Uh, today, or tonight, we're celebrating a milestone. This is episode number 10. Uh, and uh, also, we're celebrating 500 plus downloads. Might sound like small change when you... Uh, consider some of the bigger podcasts out there this is a big deal for me uh so thank you for everyone who has downloaded this everyone who is listening to this podcast uh first of all i would like to announce our sponsors and supporters uh as always this episode is brought to you by the borderlands family of businesses or as my brother Ben, who's in the uh, financial uh, sector, likes to call it the Borderlands conglomerate of businesses. Uh, first of all, the Borderlands Brewing Collaborative. Um, the simple byline is we brew awesome beer. We are a uh, medal winning brewery in local contests and uh we just like to make new and exciting brews uh test out uh new ingredients uh new techniques that may have not been used in in small breweries uh we turn out good product the second part of this uh borderlands family or borderlands conglomerate of businesses is the borderlands woodworks uh, we make uh, handmade works of uh, wood, including things such as cutting boards, coasters, floating shelves, furniture, picture frames, jewelry or uh, keepsake boxes, on and on and on. Uh, we will do custom orders. Um, we will, you know, given the supply line, we can make whatever. Uh, we also, uh, plan on, uh, processing, um, rough cut lumber in a a sawmill here. And we can provide, um, firewood. Another business here or another Part of the Borderlands conglomerate of businesses is the Borderlands Hydroponic uh, Growing Corporation. We're growing some plants here in the basement, and no, we're not talking about weed. We're growing lettuces, uh, other, uh, other edibles like that. We're going mushrooms. No, not the psychedelic uh, hallucinogenic type. We're growing oyster mushrooms, uh, etc. The good nutritional edible stuff. Um, The goal is to have a small footprint with the uh, vegetables we grow. The mushrooms are actually going to be grown in the byproduct of the woodworks. uh, That is to grow them in the sawdust. Uh, apparently mushrooms thrive in the sawdust. 
So those are our sponsors, our supporters. Uh, this episode, uh, this is going to be a repeat guest. And, um, you know, if you're a listener of this podcast, you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, Denrock only knows like three people. I've had my brothers on here more than once. Uh, you know, I've had some other friends on here more than once. But uh, this guy tonight, um, I had him on here for a reason. Uh, this guest He's starting down a pathway. He's starting on a journey that is not easy, uh, contrary to what people might think. Um, he's had, he's struggled with his weight uh, most of his life, and he's decided to take the surgical option uh, for weight loss. My guest tonight is Mr. Aaron Moore. He's a good friend. He's been a companion on uh, Jeep rides and four-wheeler rides. He's a former co-worker. And he uh, is here to talk about his decision to undergo bariatric surgery. Uh, so we welcome... Mr. Aaron Moore to the Borderlands podcast. Right, Aaron Moore, welcome back to the show, man. It's been forever. Yeah, it's been a while. How you been? Eh, not too bad. I follow you on Facebook still, and um, <laughs> what little you put on Instagram, I think. And I have it on Instagram. I think you're time. you're still doing some jeeping. Um, definitely riding it two wheeler around. Much as I um, can. Now that the weather's warmed up again, I'm so jealous that you're able to do that stuff. <laughs> um, but we have you here for a reason today. Uh, and to, just to let the folks out there know in uh, the podcast land, we'll probably have Aaron on, um, well, minimum two times, maybe like three times in a, um, series of interviews. Um, tell us what's going on. You, you have a big event coming up next week or in a couple of days, right? Yeah, two days. Um, having the gastric sleeve done. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I feel like I can express this about you without hurting your feelings oh yeah um aaron like myself and like a lot of people in this region uh seriously overweight oh yeah um eating problem lifestyle problem activity problem yeah. all the above right yeah, the, the appalachian problem yeah and um you know i think what we're going to get at today is um why you chose to do this instead of dieting and exercising um and especially since um, and I think I know the answer to this, but we'll get into it. But um, I feel like you, you were a person who had embraced your oh, yeah. obesity. I mean, you had a, an Instagram account called Fat Guy Photography. <laughs> um, 
you know, you you just it was all out there. Oh yeah, you were cozy with it. Didn't hide it. Um, yeah, and I think you know, I I was slash I am still at that point in my life. I always I said I'm just going to be a happy fat person. Like I've I've done the you know roller coaster thing of weight loss, weight gain. You know, dieting, not dieting. Um, it's easy to lose weight on a diet for me. I like I th- I think it is for yeah, many. I- um, youngish men. <laughs> I, I, I dropped like eighty five pounds like six years ago. But yeah, then. but we always wind up, or yeah, I can speak for myself for sure. We always wind up uh, rebounding and put to a weight off. that's higher yep. than we were at the onset of, of a diet, right? Yep. So I think um, I'll admit I'm totally comfortable with it. I am the heaviest I've ever been in my life right now, and uh, it's and I'm not necessarily cool with it anymore. Yeah. So I think I, I realize how you arrived where you are right now, but I've always said like, dear God, I'm never going to have that surgery. You know, and I think I, was too. I, I was. think part of it is because I'm, I'm in that arena, you know, I'm in surgery. I see this, these things go down. Um, and I've always said like, well, hell people can do it if they just diet. What's wrong with people? Yeah. Uh, it's all it's mathematics that's what you're always taught is calorie in calorie out yeah yeah so what um what was the tipping point for you the true tipping point was well at my heaviest i was uh 415 Mm -hmm. um and then i what kind of what what was the bmi there i don't know how tall you are i'm right six foot shortish no that's not too short uh, um Heck, I'll have to figure it out. I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to guess that's 40 plus. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. Because I still am. Um, And getting to the point where the clothes, the the bigger clothes that I had bought were getting a little tighter and tighter. Been there. So ended up, you know, a couple years. It's been a little over two years now since that's been. And some you know kind of roller coaster emotionally mm-hmm. and weight wise both kind of up and down um i'd actually lost about 65 pounds well when i this has happened about the time i went to the start at the va i had a fasting blood sugar that was like 280 oh geez so got put on metformin mm-hmm. which i was not a big fan of um just the gi issues and all that other stuff and it helped a little well then I lost more weight, and it was my blood sugar still high. I was still, at one point in time, I had to go to the ER because I was like, man, I just keep using the bathroom. I can't get enough to drink. Mm-hmm. Went home, checked my blood sugar, and my glucometer said, hi. <laughs> so, so out of range, yes, right? <laughs> way out of range. So I go to the ER, get fluids, and I forget how much insulin they ended up having to give me. And, you know, keep in mind, I've lost, I'm, you know, 50 pounds lighter than I was mm-hmm. when I first at my heaviest and so metformin then they put me on um an injectable trulicity um, mm-hmm. which is not an insulin but it just causes your pancreas to make more and it still was i was still around high well the, the big tipping point was when i had when i was put on lantus mm. uh, the long acting and, and i was <laughs> like i'm not doing this for the rest of my life yeah. like and the more i thought about it and i i have a handful of friends that have had this done um, actually took care of one and she's dropped 160 pounds in a year mm-hmm. um did excellent and i was like you know i'm I'm losing weight and i'm still not getting where i want to be so this has been you know i was like i don't know i was kind of tiptoeing back and forth with it and then i was like you know i'm 
I'm really tired of taking blood pressure medicine. I'm tired mm-hmm. of taking all this, you know, I, I don't want to be injecting insulin. And I kind of got the point where I was like, you know, I want to buy clothes at a regular store again. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, I hate going to the working man's store and spending, you know, 30 bucks for a t-shirt because it's, you know, fat guy friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, I want to be able to hike. I want a backpack. There's, you know, and I like to say that, you know, appearance is not, an, an, you know, not really an issue, but, I mean, it is mm-hmm. to a point. Mm-hmm. Not the main reason. Not, I didn't do this for, you know, hey, I want to do this so I look better. Yeah. Mostly I'm doing it for because I want to feel better, buy regular clothes again. Um, the main thing is get off some of the meds I want to do. Like Yeah, long. certainly. Um, but, yeah, it was like kind of like that. I, you know, I'm never having this done. I can do it. <laughs> I realized, no, no, I can't. Yeah. I So I think – I, I, I think that I'm so much like you in uh, my level of activity, what I like to eat, what mm-hmm. I like to drink, and you know, what I'm doing to my body. And I think, the, but the the one difference I believe is I, like I'm not randomly sticking my finger for blood sugars, yeah. but I do on occasion go and get a blood chemistry done mm-hmm. for my annual uh, doctor's visit, and my blood sugar's been okay. Yeah, you know they they keep dropping the what's the normal high yeah. glucose and i think with the latest drop i am uh, by definition hyperglycemic yeah. with a random serum glucose uh but i think the last one i had i was 118 yeah so like i'm not you know off the charts but i'm hyperglycemic and um i think that that would definitely be a a, a huge motivator for me if i'm uh, suddenly had a diagnosis of diabetes and had to take medicines for it. Because, I mean, right now, <clears throat> the only medicine I take is uh, Losartan for blood pressure. Yeah. And it does pretty well. It was definitely a, a nice kick in the teeth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was like a it was like a ball dropped. I was like, I can't believe this. Mm. Um, and, you know, because I'd always been a quote-unquote pre-diabetic. I always ran like 108 to 116. Well, then, a matter of two years it went from being my normal being that to hey i had a, you know an a1c drawn of 12 Ooh, yeah um and how old are you i think we should have said that i'll be 34, 34. so you're a very young man yeah uh you're over 10 years younger than i am <laughs> um yeah so um i feel I feel the effects of being over, severely overweight the older I get. Yeah. I mean, every joint in my body seems to hurt. And I, I just keep telling myself, if I could only be at, at an ideal weight, yeah. I think the joint pain would go away. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I just, there's not been that uh, ball drop in my life yet. Um, and that's what it was with me. It was, And I, I've had the same issues as you. Like, I, you know, I've, whenever I decide to diet, it's because it's like, I don't want to buy any more fucking clothes. Yep. I'm, I, I need to get back into all the ones that have been increasing in size up to this point. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't want to start buying the six <laughs> X and eight yeah. X clothing. Like, um, and then, uh, you know, I think there's been times where I feel where I'm at the tipping point where I might not be able to be active yeah. if I didn't drop some pounds. Um, you know, I certainly, there's days I feel like crap, 
when oh, I yeah. overeat. But there's that switch in the brain, that pleasure center where, mm-hmm. like, I have to eat or I have to eat a whole uh, – quart or even half gallon ice cream or i have to oh yeah have the the uh the the 2000 calorie milkshake from mcdonald's <laughs> like i mean you can't there's there's times you can't say no to that um you can't pass up austin's without getting some ice cream oh yeah heck yeah but, and uh and i don't want to i don't want to blame megan at all but like my wife she she has a real sweet tooth uh <laughs> sweeter than mine ever was i think i was just a habitual overeater mm-hmm. i didn't necessarily go in for cake all the time but like yeah, that's what we we grew up going to the the shoney's buffet because oh, yeah. it was the cheapest in town but like we we're encouraged to go, just keep going back and mm-hmm. getting plate after, yeah, plate, exactly. after plate and it's not like we you know we would go up and just get a little salad oh, no. and a little it, piece of steak that we it would be a mound <laughs> of food on each one of those plates and like it, i remember it being like a a freaking contest oh, yeah. to see who could put away the most yeah. food. Oh, yeah, ours was Ponderosa, but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, even to this day, like, um, there's times where, well, well, this is pre-COVID, I guess, but like me and some of the brothers, we go to a Chinese buffet, and and who can put away the most plates? And, and oh, there yeah. was like criteria, like how how much stuff had to be on the plate, <laughs> like how much rice, how much you know general <laughs> salads, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I've come from a long line of uh, overeaters. I think that um, not working EMS of, was when it really started being bad. It was because you'd literally take a call and you'd be in the McDonald's drive-through and you didn't eat out of pleasure. <laughs> you ate like you scarfed it down in between, like while you're running to a call. Yes, and you knew that if you got to eat, you probably didn't have very long to eat. Mm-hmm. So I would, you know, that signal from stomach to brain, I would eat past it so mm-hmm. it would, you know it, it would always have to it hit me too late yeah and i think uh well i had some of that too um not so much in medical school but definitely when when i started uh, the postgraduate training when i was a surgical intern yeah every meal was the last one. Oh yeah and uh oh my god we put the food away you know and, and we would we would wipe out you know three or four thousand calorie meal in 30 seconds because you know you always had to go to the or you always had to go you know uh, start back up making rounds or you know someone in the er was waiting to get admitted or they call a trauma overhead or something so yeah so i think my, my eating habits got worse yeah. as a surgery intern and even now doing anesthesia it's like you know the anesthesiologist has a lot of downtime but you can't just i mean there's always the chance that you're going to get called away so yeah. when you do gra- go and grab your lunch or your dinner when you're on call you gobble that down and you in record time. And healthy food is not easy to eat. That's right. It, you always go for just the junk. That's right. Well, and especially when you eat hospital food. Yeah, because um, nothing tastes there's good. There's not a healthy option. <laughs> Even the unhealthy doesn't taste good. That's true. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was – and I've looked back. And if you think about it, like, I think about what I was when I was in high school. You know, I weighed 220, and I thought I was fat then. And I'm mm-hmm. like – well, I've put on 150 pounds since then. Yeah, but then if you figure <laughs> if you figure it up after over you know just say as a number of 15 years, mm-hmm. it's only 10 pounds 10 pounds a year. Yeah, which doesn't sound like a lot, but if you put on 10 pounds a year every year, here I am. You know, where are you going to be in another 10 years? Yeah, yeah. So the big thing was like between the medications and all that, and I was like, well, either the way I'm going is I'm going to my comorbidities are just going to keep getting bigger. And it's going to kill me. Yeah. Or I can take this chance on the surgery. Yeah, there's a risk of it killing me. But there's the bigger, you know, benefit of it is that 
you know, it's going to make me smaller and those comorbidities are going to shrink. Yeah. So, um, you do what all of us in medicine continually do. You weigh benefits versus risks Mm -hmm. and the benefits rose to the top for you. Yeah. Right. So it's either, you know, I'm going to go to sleep Monday and either I'm going to come out and have be excellent or it's not my problem anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not going to die in surgery. Um, I mean, I can, I can tell you that with a, a very high degree of confidence. I'll die and pack you. I know. No. I, know. I know how that works. No, it depends on who your anesthesia crew is, right? That's true. <laughs> well, speaking of that, um, did you, uh, have you micromanaged any of this whatsoever? Oh, absolutely. I have. Uh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's hard to resist, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, Lindsay Kahn is going to take care of me and pack you. Mm-hmm. Um, Bethany Daniels, uh, who's taking, is going to do the actual. Oh my gosh, she is a person I miss. Like I, I don't think of her a lot. I've, I've seen her Facebook stuff. I know she had a baby, um, but she's a sweetheart. Oh I miss yeah, her. she yeah. Uh, she actually who who did my EGD mm-hmm. for this, um, and we'll go over that here. All the pre op stuff here shortly, but she did an excellent job putting me to sleep and good. And I was like, because I I saw her. Uh, like a week or two ago because i you know my surgery was in june and they called me one day said hey we had a cancellation can you do it april 12th and i was like yeah let me go i'll talk to my boss real quick (laughs) and uh i happened to see her and i was like hey are you working the 12th she's like um yeah i think why i was like you care to do my anesthesia (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, sweet and then i talked to uh, ferguson but he wasn't really for sure who all the the docs were on for that day so Mm -hmm. i'm not it's gonna be a crap shoot for that (laughs) because I think he's off. Um, Kyle's at the surgery center, so it's kind of like I don't have a clue who I'm going to have. Yeah. Um, you you can answer this or not. I don't know how much of your medical history you want to put out there. I'm just curious. Had, uh, prior to your EGD, had you ever been under anesthesia? Never. No surgeries before. I was scared shitless. Yeah. For so, just a simple EGD. Well, yeah, and that's a – a good place to start, or at least, you know, that's why I tell the patients who come in and that's their first anesthetic. That's, that's a nice one. It's an easy one, but it, um, I think it, yeah, it doesn't make it any less scary for the patient, their first experience. I had an EGD, uh, shortly after I was divorced. And, uh, so I didn't, um, didn't really have a a home to go to afterwards. Mm -hmm. I was in an apartment and, um, I scheduled it for a day. I was post-call. Uh, so I had to make myself NPO from, uh, you know, at some point yeah. being on call there. And then I had Heather Bell who was on call with me. She did my anesthesia the next day and then she <laughs> took me, she took me to my apartment. Uh, so that was a real good <laughs> arrangement. Um, and that wasn't even my first, uh, surgery experience, but I was, I was scared to death. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm sitting in the bed and John Davis walks over and he was like, are you nervous? I was like, <laughs> as shit. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you know, this goes through. He, I said, I know. I said, you know, it's simple. You know, it's some propofol. I'll be asleep. I'll be awake in no time. He said, I know. He said, but you can't help but think about everything that goes wrong. I was like, you're right. And, you know, being a medical field is a blessing and a curse because mm-hmm. you don't ever think about all the good things that go through. You always think about all the bad. That's true. Yeah. Well, it's, well so anyways, my first anesthesia experience was um, – to repair a fracture. Mm-hmm. So I think, and I went into, I, that happened to me right after I finished my anesthesia training. And so I went into that not really frightened or upset or anything because I think the way I looked at it was, well, they're fixing something. Mm-hmm. There's nothing but good that can come out of this. My second um, anesthesia experience was at EGD. And I I begged, I didn't have to beg. I asked Dr. Dial 
to order me one because I'd had reflux like my whole adult life and I was just feeling like shit and I was worried something was wrong in there. And I think that's why I was so upset and so nervous when I went for the EGD. All these thoughts went through my head. I thought like, oh my God, I have an ulcer the size of my head down there. Or I've got stomach cancer. Or I've got Barrett's esophagus, or I've got esophageal cancer, or I've got esophageal varices. Like, yeah. like, you know, I'm going to bleed out or something. Like, I knew something bad was wrong, and so like I remember just weeping oh, at yeah. some point beforehand. I was that scared, and came out. It turned out the exam was absolutely normal, <laughs> and I, so I, I, so I sighed a deep sigh. But then I thought, like, well, what the fuck's wrong with yeah. me? Why do I feel like crap? Yeah. <laughs> that, so I can understand your fears. Um, yeah. You know that. You're worried that they're going to yeah. find something wrong with you. I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, I was kind of going the same thing. I was like, "What if they, you know, what if they find, you know, you know, all this, you know, what if they, it's not normal?" Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Bethany put me to sleep, and you know, she's she explained. She's like, "Okay, well, we'll push some lidocaine. You get some ringing in your ears." And I was like, "Okay, okay, nothing's happening. <laughs> oh shit, oh shit, nothing's happening, <laughs> nothing's happening." And she's like, "Okay, I'm pushing the profile," and I was like, "Well, the fucking lidocaine's not even here yet." <laughs> <laughs> and uh like i'm sitting there and i'm sitting there and i finally I was like oh there it is there's the ringing and yep. then she's like okay you're gonna go to sleep here and i was like uh, and then i get hit me i was like nothing's happened i was like oh, oh there it is and i was like trying to fight it trying to fight it then out yeah <laughs> but yeah um so 34 and we'll, we'll back up to all the so i've been doing this since august is when i first went to the first class okay and it was just kind of one of those I thought about it, I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? I'm at least going to go to the actual, like, the first class to learn about it. Mm-hmm. And I was off that day, and I was like, you know what? It works out. I got put in into the class. Um, I said, you know, if I do it, great. If not, I you know, wasted three hours learning something. So I go, show up, and um, it, was, it was like I said, it was in August. And I actually walked out, and I was like, yeah, you know, I kind of know what's going on. I walked out knowing, learning more, and I felt more comfortable about it than I did when I walked in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because the, you know, the complication rates, especially with the sleeve, are almost non-existent. Just about. I mean, yeah. it's like nationally is like point two percent or something. It's just you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I like I decided on the sleeve um, over the bypass because I like the fact that there's no rerouting. It's literally just. You know, they're cutting my stomach to the size of a small Yeah, so banana. it's uh, solely a restrictive yeah. surgery, right? Um, and I did some more research, you know, because after I left the class, I'm like, I want to learn more about this. So I did a whole lot of, you know, I read a lot of stuff online. I watched a lot of YouTube videos from actual gastric surgeons. And um, there's a, the hunger hormone is mostly produced in your, the fundus, which is, you mm-hmm. know, the top part of your stomach that gets cut out. Yeah. So with this is you don't. Hey, we they take out the majority of the the cells that produce that, so you're not hungry as often, mm-hmm. which is always a plus. And um, I was also learning about it. They call it it's like a neurohormonal, um, like one doc called it like a thermostat. Um, like you're, and then he kind of explained it. That's why whenever you go on diets and then you stop dieting, why you put more weight back on, it works out to be that your body says it needs to be this weight. So mm-hmm. when you restrict your calories, <laughs> your body goes, the metabolism drops and you're, you know, so your hunger goes up because it's wanting to say, Hey, I need to eat. I need mm-hmm. to stay where I'm at. And then when you kind of, when you overeat, um, your body decreases hunger and increases metabolism. So it's saying, Hey, I need to burn some of these calories off. So when they do that 
they actually go through and they put you to sleep. It's like a reset. Hmm. So your body kind of you know, resets itself and says, oh, well, you know, hey, this is what my body, ideal body weight should be um, because it has something to do with stomach and I don't know, it's weight on my pay grade. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, it says, you know, hey, I was, you're this weight. Well, your ideal body weight's now I need to be 180. Well, now it sees that you've all, you've overeaten, so you it decreases your hunger drive anyway, and mm-hmm. ups your metabolism to help burn off the calories you've had. So that was another thing that I was like, oh, I didn't ever know about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked the sleeve because it's it's solely you know it does that that hormonal change, and they it's like it's like around eighty percent of people that have the sleeve um, decrease almost to stopping the diabetic medications, mm-hmm. which I, I was like, okay, well the bypass is a little better. Um, but the whole cutting a pouch out and then rewriting my intestines and yeah, right. It's just a little bit more than I wanted. Um, I really like the sleeve idea cause it's literally still all my anatomy, just smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, don't have nearly the malabsorption. Yeah. So the, the bypass creates a malnutritive state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it messes with the absorption absorption of certain mm-hmm. uh, minerals and, and vitamins and essential compounds that we need. And they, you know, people have to supplement it a lot with vitamins, right? Yeah, and you sleeve those too, just because there's no reservoir. So what you normally take in is now being pushed straight through um, your the pulmonary sphincter into mm-hmm. your intestines. So the stuff that used to be able to sit and break down and then get absorbed is now getting pushed through because there's no room. Yeah. So there's still some vitamin and nutrient deficiency, but not nearly like with the Ruin Y. Okay. I, no, I didn't realize that. I thought, <clears throat> so you're educating me some. Um, and, you know, you probably assume that I know this already because <laughs> I'm in medicine. But uh, I thought that the, the, the gastrectomy was simply just a restrictive thing. Like you couldn't eat as yeah. much. And that's kind of what I thought. But too. what you're telling me makes sense. So, yeah, the, the stomach will empty without mechanically breaking mm-hmm. down things. And, and yeah, so there there probably would be a lack of absorption and that, uh, and that's in why, the stomach, anyways. Yeah. And that's one reason you're a super cheap drunk afterwards, because <laughs> it just goes straight down <clears throat> to your intestines. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I have a couple friends that said, like one of my good friends, she was like, "I'm telling you, once you start, she's like, you have one drink and you're done." <laughs> well, that that helps the wallet, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yes. You know, it kind of hurts the pride, <laughs> um, but it helps you know to, to just buy one drink and you're done. One yeah. and done. So after all that research, um, then I had to go through, you go through a dietary class. So they kind of teach you like what your, your diet's going to be pre-op and post-op. And I'm on my, starting my two day clear liquid diet and mm-hmm. I've been hungry and could kill for a steak today, but <laughs> I've been drinking my chicken broth and my Powerade Zero. Um, and, uh, you know, you learn about it cause you got to supplement your protein. I mean, mm-hmm. you're doing, you're constantly doing protein, um, yeah. and cause it's, you know, you're going from eating, you know, I could eat a 16-ounce sirloin, no problem, to now that I can eat maybe four ounces yeah. afterwards. So, <laughs> um, and then you have to go through and you have to have documented weight loss over so many months from your doctor. Your doctor has to, to write, like, a recommendation. I had to have an EKG, um, chest X-ray, and then I had the big thing was the psyche valve. Mm-hmm. So I actually had to go through like I was. God, how did you pass that? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, they, luckily they said we're not here to diagnose if you're crazy. I'm like, well, you don't have to diagnose it. I know. <laughs> um, 
but it was funny because it was telehealth because you know oh yeah fucking covid and uh so i get i take the day off from work and I'm, you know it's a microsoft teams meeting and the uh psychologist comes on she was like so this will be a stupid question where are you sitting and i was like in my recliner in my living room and she was like okay where is your house located and i was like <laughs> in kentucky and she's like well i can't do it because i'm you know you have to be in the state of west virginia and i was like oh oh that's weird yeah so she said we can either reschedule or if you want she said some people will go and drive just across the river and i said well let me go throw some shoes on i'll call you back in here <laughs> so i went to the the cvs parking lot in canova and i literally <laughs> sit in the parking lot for three hours and did this wow this psyche val uh then after that they schedule for your, your egd and uh one reason is so they make sure you don't have like a hiatal hernia or um any you know because with the sleeve versus the bypass um you know with the bypass they cut the little section of your stomach out and you have a pouch mm-hmm. that's separated from your stomach so all your stomach acid and everything still works its way down with the bypass it just doesn't you know it's not connected to your throat anymore mm-hmm. well with the sleeve if you have heartburn or gastric reflux a lot there's no reservoir so you have this god-awful it, you know because since you're now have this small area it just goes straight mm-hmm. into your throat mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons to do the egd yeah um which was you know the great snap ever <laughs> yeah that's what i've heard and then uh <laughs> and then of course where covid had everything shut down it you know when i got finally got a surgery date you know i mean i got a surgery date and it was probably back in the beginning of february and it was in june this was the nearest mm-hmm. time and i just lucked out got put on the cancellation list mm-hmm. yeah um now let's go back just a tiny bit if you had hiatal hernia that doesn't that doesn't preclude you from having this no, procedure, no. right? No. They would just do a, a, a hiatal hernia repair yeah. at the same time, right? Yeah. And I know that because these guys in Charleston, like, I feel like it's almost every single patient that they do a sleeve on, they do a combined hiatal hernia repair. Well, now that I work in endo, um, I would say probably nine out of ten people that we do EGDs on have a hiatal hernia. Oh, it's and, very prevalent. Yeah, and yeah. don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. I remember mine... Yeah, so I said that my EG was normal. I guess that's not right. I had a trivial hiatal hernia, mm. but to me, that's very, very small. Yeah. So I would call it normal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, you don't really do anything with it if it's small enough. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what's the what's the reason behind the clear liquid diet pre-surgery? It is to – it's kind of like a prep in itself because literally you're just drinking liquids. Um, but they do it to get uh, pretty much everything out of your intestines, and it's just kind of like a help of a, and also it helps with the shrinking of your liver, mm-hmm. where your liver is not having to work at all uh, for two days. It makes hmm. it easier for them to get the stomach pulled away from the liver. I see. I didn't know that. Um, just two days away from food? Yeah. Or non-clear liquids? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I still have one day of clear liquids. Afterwards. I feel like... Um, Gosh, I feel like it would take weeks for my liver to cool off and shrink down. <laughs> well, I'm going to find out about Monday because I tied one on this week. <laughs> I was like, this is the last time I'm going to be able to eat good food and yeah. have any beer. So mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. went at it. Um, how about we talk a little bit about surgical technique? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? 
Is it robot, robot. or uh, just laparoscopic? Robotic. Doing, he does his robotic now. That's what I thought. Um, almost exclusively, right? Yep. Yeah, because I think that's how it was when I last worked at Cabell. Um, which, um, which is better now because, you know, he's been able to, you know, he's not having to hold, move a camera, you know, have yelled at a resident to hold a camera a certain way or whatever and then mm-hmm. kind of maneuver around. Now he just sits at a console. And mm-hmm. It's, you know, so much easier and I'm truthfully taking care of, you know, the people have this done that I did for years. I mean, now he's doing, they're doing tap blocks. So most people come out and they're not having hardly any pain whatsoever. Yeah. I had, now I have an opinion on that. <laughs> I don't, it may or may not be correct. Um, but, um, well, first of all, I'll say, um, the, the center that I work at, they just do laparoscopic mm-hmm. sleeve gastrectomies. There's no rob- robot involved. And, um, the surgeons there appear to be, um, really uh, good at it mm-hmm. or, or more, um, I guess more accurately, very efficient yeah. at what they do. I want to say they'll do like six of them a day. Um, and they, there's not residents that work there or yeah. not with the bariatric guys. They either have a, a, like a physician assistant mm-hmm. or they have like an RN first assist. Yeah. So someone who works, in that field like all day every day and they so i think they have really good help is what what helps them along yeah um now this is it's interesting you brought up the idea of the tap block so out of necessity during covid uh, they wanted to come up with a way to do their sleeve gastrectomies uh, as outpatients really yeah because guess which unit in the hospital got converted to the covid unit the the uh, bariatric bariatric unit yeah. yeah And, uh, pardon me. And I think the, the, the thinking, you know, hospital wide was these are 100% elective surgeries. Yeah. Like there's no reason we should be admitting oh, yeah. weight loss patients into the hospital in the midst of COVID. Yeah. So their floor, uh, became the COVID floor and they weren't allowed to admit anyone. And I think at the peak of COVID, like these surgeons were out of business for a little while. Mm-hmm. I think they took call doing general surgery like you know they take a gallbladder out or do it yeah. an appendix or something but but one day we all kind of got together the anesthesia people and these bariatric surgeons they said how can we get people out same day from a sleeve gastrectomy and um we kind of said well it's going to have to be you know air quotes opioid free because yeah. they all got sleep apnea you yeah. know they have these issues breathing we can't load them up with bunch of narcotics and sent you know kick them to the current uh i think it was uh i don't know if it came from the surgeon or maybe it came from a crna but someone brought up like why don't we do tap blocks Mm -hmm. and um i think like part of my department was uh pro tap blocks and probably an equal share of them were Mm anti-tap blocks because we do know the science behind it is it's a um it's a somatic nerve block yeah there's no visceral component to it at all so all it covers is it covers the incisional pain basically yeah which could be just as easily covered by injecting local at the incision site true but we're going through and these blocks in my opinion and i've only recently come on board with the ultrasound technique so i'm finding it a little bit difficult (laughs) but uh, you think of all the tissue you have to traverse uh, in the morbidly obese patient, mm-hmm. uh, 
to get to where the needle tip needs to be. Plus, you know, you're trying to find a plane in between two uh, very discrete muscle layers uh, in the morbidly obese patient. And believe it or not, this is, this is very counterintuitive, but a person who's morbidly obese has very thin abdominal wall muscles. Mm-hmm. You would think they're huge, right? But no, they're always getting stretched out. Yeah. So they become almost flaccid, you know, like, so when you look at these muscle layers on ultrasound, sometimes you can't even tell the difference between one, one muscle and the other. Mm-hmm. They're so thin. Yeah. And I found it to be uh, somewhat of a guessing game to get the needle tip in the right place in the morbidly obese. Yeah. You know, I think, um, from what I've read and from what I've incorporated into my practice is that uh, the tap block, I think, works really well for um, inguinal hernia repair. Because yeah. you can get it to go that low down to the groin uh, either side. I think that uh, – so anyways, we, the program there, they are successful doing these same day. And I think they still do now, even though the bariatric unit's opened. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the tap block necessarily helps, but the <laughs> fact that we do them narcotic free yeah. definitely helps. And so how we do that is we, we give them this, um, well, we give them all the non-narcotic pain medicines like Ketorolac, uh, Tylenol IV. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get this infusion uh, called the McLot mixture mixture. This is named after a CRNA who uh, invented it. And I think the jury's still out on the efficacy, but mm-hmm. it, it, it appears to work. So there's like some, uh, at least some anecdotal mm. evidence and, or some loose evidence that, that it works. And so what it is, it's, um, I can't remember the amounts of this stuff, but it's a, it's a bag that has lidocaine, uh, magnesium, ketamine, and dexmedetomidine or Presidex. Mm. And it's mixed in like a, a 250 cc bag of, of saline and you, you dose it so many cc's per kilogram per hour. Yeah. I can't remember. I mean, there's a formula. We look it up. And um, that's supposed to be like a neuromodulating or a uh, prevention of neuromodulating uh, solution, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a local anesthetic, you have magnesium, which we know has a role in nerve conduction and yeah. transmission. Um, uh, ketamine, which is a non-narcotic narcotic yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, i can't even begin to describe the pathway but um it's just a tiny bit yeah. of ketamine it's not enough to send you on a trip um and then the presidex which is that uh, central alpha mm-hmm. um uh, receptor drug uh i think that's probably the biggest deal in it it, it just it kind of i think it prevents your wiring yeah uh, so to speak your nerves from getting triggered while it's infusing, uh, that's the I think that's the fascinating drug in that combo. But anyway, so that's how we're doing in, in um, Charleston. Uh, tap block may or may not help <laughs> that McLot mixture, and then like I said, all the non-opioid yeah. uh, analgesics. And those people are out the door, you know, not not an hour after surgery. It's probably more towards like. 7 p.m., 9 p.m., <laughs> but they're going home, and uh, apparently they're doing okay. And I was, uh, you know, I was okay with that, yeah, truthfully, but they won't do them. Okay, yeah, I well, so. I think like, I don't know, but I don't, I don't think it's out of an abundance of caution, but it's out of some caution that they would keep someone, yeah, in the hospital overnight at least. 
I mean, they've they've come a long way. Yeah, I remember when when I was a medical student, they were doing open gastric bypasses, and they would the incisions were from you know subxiphoid down to the pubis. Yeah, and I don't know how those people did. They stayed in the hospital for a week. <laughs> I don't think they got up out of the bed uh, to the chair until like day two or three. Jeez. <laughs> and like, no, I'm serious. And the, um they just had so much pain. It was awful. Well, and you just imagine the how much incision there was and how much tissue was ripped apart. It's crazy. Um, so definitely we've come a long way. But uh, continue. I feel like I, I commandeered the oh, no. conversation there. <laughs> and uh, that's pretty much it. Now just, it was a waiting game for, you know, because he was so backed up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of funny, though. I, I had a patient in endo because you know taking care of the egds after they wake up um some woman was going she's like i really hope to get this done by the end of the month i was like i need to me i was six <laughs> months out so mm-hmm. get comfy um yeah so what is um what's the diet gonna look like post-op no i'm not and i'm not even talking about immediate post-op just like going forward for the rest of your life well pretty much it's um because it'll be seven weeks before I can finally incorporate actual true food that's not you know, blended or pureed or anything like that. Which is, Did you say seven months? Seven weeks. Oh, weeks. Okay. Seven weeks. Sorry. <laughs> I may have said months, but it was weeks. Um, but it's pretty much, you know, um, it, of course, smaller portions. The main thing is, you know, they, they pound your head protein. Eat your protein first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and fruits, vegetables, um, limited fat. Um, the big thing is no carbonation, mm-hmm. um, no NSAIDs, and I feel like I'm missing a big one. Um, something that you can't do. But that's, <laughs> main, that's the main ones that, I, that, that were applied to me. I was like, well, no more Motrin and mm-hmm. no more beer. I like never. Well, no, because uh, it's carbonated. Yeah, yeah that'll carbonated. that'll blow that little teeny stomach up. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but but liquor you can do after six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, just enough time for the, the the pouch to heal. Definitely. Um, but your stomach gets cut down. They they describe it as a very small banana is what mm-hmm. your stomach size is. Mm-hmm. Do you um, since you'll be doing smaller meals? Is it more frequent meals or not? They. They are, but they aren't. It's just a lot of times. Um, so no, like third lunch, fourth lunch. <laughs> Not nobody priest lunch. <laughs> uh, but I have to eat slow, so I'll have to take Chris Reese lunches. Oh dear God! <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of shout outs. <laughs> um, but uh, some people, most people, especially the first year, have to actually remind themselves to eat. Is the big thing? Yeah, because um, you the uh, it, it's an early satiety. The main um, thing is they want you to get your protein. In. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely want you you they strive for you to hit um, roughly ninety grams of protein a day, mm-hmm. and that in water. Um, they want you to have at least a half gallon of water a day. Yeah, well, I think um, gosh, that's probably at least what everyone should have. Oh, yeah. what, what's the prescription for that? Like an it's, ounce for every pound you weigh, or half an ounce for every pound you weigh, or something. I don't something? even remember now. Because I think, like, I'm literally supposed to have a gallon every day. Yeah, that's what mine works at, um, like a gallon. Gallon plus, probably. Um, yeah, and I guess that makes sense because you're just, I don't know, it feels like, a, or it sounds like a lot just gets flushed through you yeah. with, without being absorbed, maybe. 
And I think if you're going to take a high protein load, uh, what that does, it'll change the osmolality of your mm-hmm. bloodstream. So you need to follow that with some water, probably. Um, then uh, pretty much vitamins for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a, they have bariatric or um, there's actually, you can actually take prenatal, um, mm-hmm. like what I've been taking. And then vitamin B, um, like the sublingual. And then calcium, so mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a whole bunch of stuff to have to take, but it's kind of one of those vitamin B sublingual. Yep. Why is it that route? I'm not exactly sure. To be Does honest. it have to do with liver? Uh, maybe I have no idea. Because my guess would be if it's absorbed in the gut versus sublingual, like so sublingual stuff goes right to the right atrium yeah. first, and then out to the system, but through the gut it passes through the liver maybe i don't know i these are things i probably should know because i'm a doctor <laughs> but i think my focus is so uh, my scope is so small now <laughs> like, um yeah th- these are things like i don't know i just remember saying in med school like i'll never need to know this again <laughs> that's one of them <laughs> but it was really cool i got a little card that says that i can you know i had i had gastric sleeve surgery and to let me uh order off the kids menu Ooh. So saving some money. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, I also wanted to talk to you about um, your move to the uh, endoscopy unit. Yes. That seems to be like a pretty hot ticket right now. I hear lots of people wanting to switch from one unit or the other to the endo unit. What the hell's going on over there? <laughs> I no idea. I, Butts I, and guts. You're dealing with poop all day I long. Know. God. Ugh. It's actually pretty, like, I've actually, I went into this thinking, I'm, I'm going to hate this job, and, you know, five days a week, five, eights a week, I just don't know if I can do this. But it's actually pretty interesting, like, um, we have a really good group of docs over there, mm-hmm. and um, they'll, like, you know, they'll gladly explain what they're doing, what they're looking for. Well, so, this. what's your role over there? You're in the in the procedure room, then? Well, we rotate through, so you don't, oh, I see. You don't really okay. do the same thing every day. Um, like, one day you'll be... You know, pre-oping people. One day you'll be discharging them. One day you'll be in the room. Okay. Uh, I'm still in orientation, so I've been scrubbing for the last three weeks, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, so I'm having to, like, you know, pull biopsies and, mm-hmm. you know, handle, you know, work the tools while they're working the scopes. And, yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely new because, I'm, again, I went through, you know, the anatomy, physiology. I was like, I'll never need that shit again. <laughs> and now I'm like, I don't have a clue what any of this stuff is. Um but it's you know it's it's different and it's you know it's fast paced. Um, the the big thing is, is um, not having to hold ICU patients. Yeah. For days and days and like I was, which is the big reason. That's the main mm-hmm. reason I, I jump ship. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think um, it seems pretty chaotic in uh, PACU at that yeah. facility. Yes. Anyways. Um, uh, and I mean, then. So my wife, I, I get to hear her take on everything, of course. Um, just sounded like there's a lot of unhappiness there for, for whatever reason or not. But I just can't believe that, and uh, I'm just saying, putting this out there, you're not the only person that wanted to or has mm-hmm. gone to Indo. But then again, there's, um, what's her name, Gina, that came from Indo yeah. to back. Yeah. <laughs> she she jumped shit from Indo. She'd had enough of it there. Um I don't know. I, you know, I want to say it's one of those grass is greener situations, but 
I can see. So now that you talk about being in the procedure room, um, for whatever reason, I was just envisioning you being in the PACU, like in the post-op side of things in the endo unit. And that's when everyone's like vomiting their guts out or shitting their brains out. There's farts and gas like all like crazy. But, uh, I would think if you're involved in the procedural aspect of it, that's gotta be somewhat gratifying. It is. It's pretty fun. That's what I, that's what's gratifying about my job. I mean, the mundane stuff that I do every day is boring. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. But when I get my hands on something, you know, doing, um, epidurals, nerve blocks, if I get to do the difficult airway or I'm starting IVs and all that kind of stuff, like I like that. It's gratifying. That, you know, like as corny as it sounds, you know, cutting polyps out, you know, and there's, you know, there's different ways to do it. Like, yeah, but no, like what I'm saying is you, you have your hands on some of the instruments. And then uh, like for like the, the dilators, you know, we, you know, we have to do, we, you know, increase the, the size of the balloons to Mm -hmm. dilate and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I didn't know that, like for doing for checking pH levels of your uh, stomach, people have really bad heartburn. They have mm-hmm. a thing called a Bravo, right? It's, it's this little, just little bitty capsule-looking thing that sucks into the wall of your esophagus, and then eventually just falls, falls out, and you crap yeah. it out, right? Yeah, <clears throat> uh, which is really cool. Um, but you would you would think you know people the gas and all that. I mean, post-op mm-hmm. fart, farts are always funny. Oh, the, the hilarious, <laughs> hilarious. I mean, it means I get paid to judge farts every day. <laughs> no, it's highly encouraged in the endo unit. Like, well, in fact, I think that's one of the uh, requisites yeah. to get out of there, right? You got to you got to blow some wind out. Yeah. Yeah, I, this um I work at a huge endoscopy center in Charleston, separate from CAMC. And uh, there's this little old nurse. She's probably, I don't know, in her 60s or 70. Uh, if she ever hears this, if I got that age wrong, I apologize, Marcia. <laughs> uh, but she tells people, you're going to feel like you have to poop afterwards and just <laughs> fart it out. That's exactly what she says. <laughs> <laughs> fart it out. <laughs> well, the other day, uh, it was a Thursday, it was me and Wanda. Me and Wanda were discharging people. <laughs> Uh, from Indo, yeah, she works part time. She she picks up a day. Oh every wow! Week. So I didn't know that. So yeah, when she works her normal shift in PACU, <laughs> and she picks up overtime over in Indo, and it was me and her. And uh, Doctor Ashley walked over and goes, "What's going on over here? Are you all sure you're in the right spot?" <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh man! But it's uh, it's I never realized the stress level until I switched. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked PACU, and if I could have been, you know, if I could wake a patient up and get them where they needed to go and just do that every day, I would have never left. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed that. I love, you know, and, yeah, I didn't even like the most of the mundane stuff, you know, just treating pain. And, you, of course, you get a sick patient that you had to work at, and those were, I don't want to say fun, um, but they were they were challenging, but they were rewarding, too. Yeah. And if they had a place to go, it was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but when I have to sit on them and I'm having to sit on a train wreck and then I'm also having to recover other patients, mm-hmm. um, that's what really got me. And it was getting to the point where it was every day I was walking, we were walking into holds and it was just, you know, it wasn't enjoyable. I couldn't leave the job at the door anymore because I would leave work and go, well, shit, what kind of train wreck am I going to walk in when I come in the morning? What am I, yeah. I going to take care of tomorrow? What's it, What's going to exacerbate? What's going to make it worse? Um, mm-hmm. 
And the big thing was I came in at 7 a.m. one morning and we were holding four ICU patients and still had a whole full surgery load. And this was during the, the mid of COVID crisis. And That's crazy. These patients aren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, it's time for me to find something else because this is, it's literally getting to the point where I'm, I hate coming to work every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I'm, you know, I worked my Monday through Friday and I was like, God, I'm going to hate that. Um, but it's nice. Like I get off at four 30 and it, like the other day I rode a motorcycle in and mm-hmm. I left work and rode a motorcycle for two or three hours, went home. I mean, awesome. <laughs> um, but I don't have nearly the stress that I had just because, you know, every day's the same, but different, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, and each day is, you know, our bread and butters, EGDs and colonoscopies. And yeah, and I always forget that. Uh, so in the endoscopy unit, there is um, bronchoscopy, mm-hmm. and then uh, I don't think they do this at your facility, but uh, where I work, we also include uh, transesophageal echocardiograms. Like I said, TEEs are in the same they, unit. They do them in our unit, but we just give them a spot. It, we don't do mm. anything with it. A okay. cardiologist comes up and does all that. They use our room, but we don't have anything to do mm-hmm. with it. I guess um, the the endo unit, um, was well, so I described an endo an endoscopy unit outside of the CAMC system, but then there's another endoscopy unit part of the CAMC system. It's attached to a Memorial Hospital, so you know that being the heart center. Yeah, there's basically like a schedule yeah. of TEEs and cardioversions that go through there. Um, so yeah, there's a, a little bit more procedural stuff than what you guys are seeing perhaps yeah um yeah that place at memorial i think it's up to 12 rooms wow in their endoscopy unit we only staff it for eight but uh, on occasion they'll have uh they'll do like uh abdominal paracentesis you know for ascites that under local without without us uh in in one of the other nine or ten room nine or ten or eleven or twelve whatever (laughs) Um, yes, it's a big endoscopy center. I'm sure Cabell would be jealous. Yeah. Well, we're, <laughs> they're expanding ours. We're getting another room. Oh boy. Um, <clears throat> and I, I don't know. I've heard so many different things. I heard that it may be do. It's going to be probably the room they do ERCPs in. Mm-hmm. Cause right now they're, we're having to do it in the cath lab. Um, Ooh. and so well, that's different from when I last worked there. The new, the, the new docs we have, um, they like using them because they do, you know, use a lot of fluoro. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, yeah. they block off for the, um, the cath lab because they do a lot of interventions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, cause they, I mean, it's a, you know, it's pretty interesting to see the stuff they do down there. It is. Yeah. Um, but now they're having to play, you know, they have to wait on the, you know, the cath lab to be done with what they're doing. And, you know, they want to do four ERCPs and they can't start till two o'clock in the afternoon. It makes it a little rough. What in the heck is Campbell Huntington doing with their cath lab? I have no idea. They can't have that many heart casts going. <laughs> well, I have my own opinion about the yeah. cath lab. Yeah. There's been, when I worked at, let's just say as a, uh, as a person that wore a brown uniform, um, I would have to do a lot of emergency transports from Cabell to St. Mary's quite often. Mm-hmm. I hear you. <laughs> And now that we're one unit, I don't, I don't really understand why we have a cath lab. To be honest, yeah. Well, I think um, 
when I worked there, they always said that that cath lab was for diagnostics, yeah. you know, anatomical mm-hmm. um, and geography only. Yeah. Something when you need you an know, actual intervention, then yeah. you literally you have you to hop in the truck and go yeah. to St. Mary's. Yeah. So that's weird though. Like I, I feel like it, it would happen often enough Yeah, that you go in there, you squirt some dye and you're like, well, shit, we need to put a stent in. Like, yeah. It, it would be pretty frequent, I would imagine. Um, I don't know. What else? Uh, I want to tell you what another thing I want to talk to you about. I don't know how much time you have this evening. Um, I know we could go on forever and ever and ever. We've proved that before. Yeah. Um, I want to pick your brain about Jeeps. Okay. Again, I, I feel like you're a dude that's got your finger on the pulse uh, of the automotive world, and especially when it comes to some two wheelers uh, in the Jeep product. Mm-hmm. What do you know about the Wagoneer? The, Any, anything? I've researched a little bit of it and it is the, it's going to be their flagship luxury vehicle. Mm-hmm. So it is pricey, um, but it's third row and they look super nice on the inside of the pictures I have. Um, the exterior is going to take some growing on me. <laughs> I'm not, it, it still has the seven slot grill, but it's like the Cherokee seven slot grill. It's that mm-hmm. pointed little. It's not what I'm used yeah. to. Um, it's interesting. I will say that. Um, well, I looked up the other day because uh, Megan and I are talking about getting something with a third room. We well, we've thought about it for a while. Well, they're doing the the Grand Cherokee XL. Ooh, they're making a longer Grand Cherokee with a third row. Hmm. Which will be cheaper, because I think the starting price of the Wagoneer is like a hundred grand. You're you're shitting me. No, you know I didn't see. It. So I went to Jeep's website and because um, Megan told me they were on sale now, like they're twenty twenty one. But so I go, I went to Jeep's website and apparently mm-hmm. it's for twenty twenty two, and there was not pricing on there. Yeah, there's just what, like a bunch of preview preview photos yeah. and. You know, here's the features to expect yeah. and, and all that. Yeah, I, uh, so six figures for Jeep. Get out of town. It's it's supposed to. <laughs> it's they're going after the uh, the Audi and the Porsche, and the, they're wanting to make themselves a you know a luxury SUV brand. Mm-hmm. And they said a hundred thousand dollars, and I was blown away. Um, but then again, if you look at the price of all automobiles anymore they oh it's an, outrageous it's insanity absolutely um, um i mean I f- but some of the other products that entertained were um the uh hyundai palisade and the um kia telluride which are right? the, yeah, they're the exact same vehicle are they yeah kia and hyundai are the same vehicle, same I, i'm surprised that i didn't know that so yeah. is it kind of like the um uh, Honda and Acura thing, yeah. or like uh, Nissan and uh, Infinity, and kind of like the you know Chevy and Buick or whatever. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah they're, of, they're the same company. They're both South Korean. I mean, I didn't really. Well, I knew that. Yeah, I knew they're Korean, but um, if you look at any of their parts, it has their parts have Kia and the Hyundai in hmm. the model. I've never owned any of them. Um, I think the only time I've ever rode in one uh, was with Chris Reese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's interesting to know, but no, that's one that we looked at, and you know, those to me seem smallish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always leaned towards like a, a Chevy Suburban, yeah. And 
but I felt like those were a little pricey. I mean, I think those are 80,000 range yeah. with, with some features. Yeah, but can, um, I mean, they'll go up to, I mean, I think the cheapest one you can get in is like 75,000. Yeah, but hell, I can't complain. I mean, I drive a 70 plus thousand dollar truck <laughs> from that was $70,000 in 2015. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine what that truck costs now. It's probably in six figures. Uh, and speaking of that, like, I, for some reason, I was curious the other day. I hopped on the Ram website and I looked at the 2021 Rams. Now there's a, there's the, the, the Cummins diesel option and then there's a Cummins high output yeah. diesel option. I also saw an option for a 50 gallon fuel tank. Did you see this? <laughs> you probably seen, never looked. I've actually looked, but I've never looked at um, the, the, the gas tank or the fuel tank. And like, and I, I can't remember the torque specs exactly, but it was over a thousand foot pounds yeah. uh, in the high output option. Like, and I think it has to be in a one ton. And I'm, I don't know if it has to be a dual. Well, why would you not? buy anything less than one ton? Yeah. But no, I think you're right. I think it, the 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 highest torque spec, obviously the highest towing mm-hmm. rating is in the dually, uh, but I think the highest torque spec came in that too. Um, not that I'm in a market for another truck, but it's like there's always this itch. Oh yeah always this itch like i want more oh yeah i want more foot pounds i want more horsepower. nobody wants less power yeah. <laughs> but i do have one of the higher uh torque trucks from 2015 because i have that asin transmission in mind yeah. which i think they're they could tune it for like 70 or 80 more foot pounds it's because it's put out like what 750 800 foot pounds i think it's it's nothing it's no i want to say mine was 840 yeah i no slouch. Yeah. no yeah um which is just remarkable from a six cylinder mm-hmm. and um i don't know we're way off track from the gastric <laughs> bypass or the, the bariatric stuff but anyways this is how we go with you right yeah. and i can't believe so i was always a ford guy from adolescence early adolescence and i always wanted that power stroke diesel and uh now that I own this, so I've, I did own, you know this, I, mm-hmm. I went through one of those six liter power strokes and I got rid of it before it was really problematic. Um, I, I have blown up so many of the newer power stroke engines. <laughs> really? Working on the squad. <laughs> um, but now like I see this inline six cylinder Cummins and I say like, why would you, this is like the ideal power plant. Mm-hmm. There's literally half the moving parts. Um, and then they have that is a single turbo. It's a mm-hmm. variable vein geometry turbo, which is like totally tunable. They they have much less lag, you know, better better efficiency. Well, um, I love it. Well, the you know the trucks that you see hauling freight on the highway are six cylinders too. So, no, they're yeah they're they're not. Are they Cummins? Yeah, there's you have the Cummins Caterpillar. Yeah, so a lot of them, and I, I realize like they're just so. What I have is just like the the baby brother of all of them. They're like, yeah, some of them are like fourteen liters or sixteen liters or something. And mine's just six seven, basically a seven liter. Yeah. Now the smaller trucks, like um, like you see, like the beer trucks, the smaller uh, one axle on the rear, mm-hmm. they have an eight three, which is the same. It's this almost the exact same block. I think it's got a longer stroke than what's in your your truck. Yeah, well, that would get it up there yeah. if you just added longer stroke to it. Um, because the generation, because the first, the 12 valve Cummins, um, mm-hmm. which is not a whole lot different than that. It's, no. There's a whole lot more electronics on that. Yeah. You, could, you could literally make it run with one wire. Mm-hmm. And people were putting turbos on those, bigger turbos, and were making 12, 1400 horsepower with them. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I read an article the other day, like, which was better, the 12-valve or the 24-valve? And it, this article talked about the pros and cons mm-hmm. about each one of them. Apparently, the uh, the 6.7, the 24-valve, is more likely to blow the head gasket, um, whereas, you know, the 12-valve the, the never lifted a head gasket. Yeah. I don't know. Um but, you have the, but they say that the turbo on the 24-valve the is better than the turbo on the 12-valve. Yeah. Um, fuel efficiency is way better on the 12-valve, though, because these new ones, the 24-valves, you got all the, the, the DEF, mm-hmm. you got the particulate filters, all the, the EGR bullshit, all the, all the emissions crap, yeah. which makes it that you consume more fuel. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand the, the trade-off there at all. I think you would, we would rather blow more black smoke out uh, and use less fuel in the process than well, you, have, can, you can thank California for that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Legit California, <laughs> California, um, EPA mandate. Cause this is when I worked at worldwide back when I was still working worldwide. Mm-hmm. They, I forget what year it was. It's been oh five oh six. They passed a law that all diesel engines have to put out cleaner air than they consume. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole reasoning of the whole, um, well, no, I think, uh, isn't it true that the diesel uh, emissions are better than the gasoline emissions mm-hmm. now? Yep. It's crazy, isn't it? Yep. And um, also, I don't. they say um, there's an age restriction of a truck. Like if you haul freight to California, that if your truck is over so many years old, that it can't come into the state. <laughs> Jesus. That's Fuck, absurd. Fucking California. I've never heard that. Yeah. They they might as well be another country. I've said this for years. I mean, they're to the blame for the damn gas can. Mm. Um, Did you see all those? Yeah, that was impressive. Gas- <laughs> I had like three or four of them <laughs> before that power outage, before the ice storm. And then I just like, we had to run the generators for so long. I acquired as many of them as I could. <laughs> I think I have like 13 of them. <laughs> I walked in, I was like, a lot of gas cans. And what sucks is those things are expensive. Mm-hmm. They're like $55, $60 each. Um, but that's the only way you can get like a gas can that will, A, flow a lot of gas mm-hmm. out of it, and B, it won't freaking spill and leak all over you in the process. Yeah, and, but all the other ones out there, are they're, they're the, quote, safety can. Yeah. <laughs> it's like spill-proof, like bullshit. Oh. I acquired a uh, a jerry can, and it still has that stupid lock on it. But mm-hmm. it's, at least it's easier to use than some of the ones I've used. Yeah. Um, ironically enough, I bought it because um, Leslie ran out of gas going to work one day. <laughs> and I ended up having to buy a gas can and get gas on the way in to fill her car mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> so I don't know if we'll uh, – so based on that discussion, I don't know if we'll be getting a uh, wagon here or not. Yeah. Might be heading for a uh, Suburban. and. Or look at the, uh, like I said, just do a little research on the, the, the I think it's the Grand Cherokee L or XL or, I don't know, some L bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they're, it's not going to be a third row because the Durango is already third row. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it would, I wouldn't think it would be that hard to make a Grand Cherokee a third row, just make it a little longer. If I, Yeah, so if I get a, a vehicle with third row seating, what I want is something that I still have cargo space in with the third row flipped up. And I think so many of these vehicles on the market now, you flip up that third row seat, you go from having 
30 cubic feet, whatever, yeah. to like a half a cubic foot yeah. of it's like uh, the, cargo It's space. like the old two-door Jeeps when you open the back door. Yeah. <laughs> and that see, that, and that's what I'm afraid is the deal with the, like the Hyundai slash Kia mm-hmm. product. That's why I'm afraid maybe the issue with, uh, you know, this Jeep uh, XL, or a Cherokee XL you're talking yeah. about. Um, I don't know. We're, uh, you're probably wondering why we want a third row seat vehicle um maybe for like more children's sake i don't know <laughs> <laughs> or even for a vacation if you want to go somewhere you want to take somebody with you i mean yeah, a third row is true nice. I, as it is now i prefer to travel in my pickup truck mm-hmm. because the interior is massive yeah i mean you can only seat five people uh but the interior is massive, and then the cargo space is infinite. Yeah, <laughs> you know, toss everything in the back. I've got a you know trifold cover on it if I need to if it's rainy. And if you've um, you got more than five people, they can ride back there. Exactly. I mean, it's West yeah, Virginia. old school West Virginia. <laughs> I do remember rolling like that, but I don't. You, you hardly see people in the back of a pickup truck nowadays. Oh, this is true. Well, I guess it's it depends on where you drive. Yeah. Uh, Plus, there's a whole lot more traffic out now. Yeah. More than ever. Speaking of that, how about the, um, do you ever go up uh, around the Huntington Mall with all that construction nonsense? Oh my God, it's it's miserable. It's awful. And where they, the one lane where they put the that little section of blacktop they put in, mm-hmm. it's in the most inawkward position when you're on a motorcycle because it's like riding on groove pavement. My, it puts that, when I was riding it the other day, it had me all over the road. It looked like I was drunk. Ooh. Speaking of that, um, man, I haven't been on my two wheelers. It's been over two years. Wow. I can't believe that. I know for a fact I haven't rode them since the twins were born. And I, every time I'm in this basement, I look at them. I can't see them right now, but it's like they're collecting dust. I mean, there's probably a an eighth inch of dust on them. I need to put their covers on them. I've been lazy, but, uh, I need to go for a ride, man. Well, I don't know how long it'll be before I get to ride again. Cause I, oh, you'll just be pain limited, right? Yeah. <laughs> and hope to God I don't lay it over because uh, there's no way I'll get it back up. <laughs> I can barely do it now. Well, you just have to ride with somebody. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, would, I would love to go on a ride with you. I, I always wonder which one of these two would I ride. Um. I like each one for what it is. The street glide would probably be more comfortable. For well, definitely. If we're going to go on one of your epic 5,000-mile <laughs> rides, I'd have to go on the street glide. However, I could probably force myself to <laughs> suffer through riding on that soft tail um, for a little while. I don't know. I like the soft tail. The soft tail looks – I well, love It's, look it's flashy it. and it's loud. Yes. Um you know, I put some aftermarket pipes on that street glide, but it's it's nothing yeah. compared to the the the, <laughs> the uh, breakout. I, when I first bought that breakout with the factory exhaust on it, so you know that's that's the factory paint job on mm-hmm. it, factory seat, the factory chrome, everything. I mean, it's decked out, but the factory exhaust on that, it sounded like a freaking sewing machine. Oh yeah, it was awful. Yeah, they're bad. <laughs> yes, they are awful. Um. 
man, speaking of this, uh, and again, we've gone off on this tangent, but it's great. I looked at the Harley Davidson website the other day because, you know, per my usual, I'm wanting to buy something. Mm-hmm. I've got an itch. And I see they're making a freaking, um, the Panamera. What do they call it? Uh, the, the adventure, the adventure touring, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I like the idea of that bike. However, I think I would look absolutely fucking clownish oh, riding one of them. Like, I like the idea of it. Yeah, um, oh, absolutely. I mean, well, it's, it, they have to be in competition with, like, the BMWs mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Um, but here, I mean, you can pick up a, a BMW for so much less more money than that. I don't know. I don't even know what the Pan America is, but if you compare it to normal Harley prices, I mean, you can pick up a BMW touring bike or a ADV would, bike for, like, less than 20. I want to say that, the, that when I looked at it um, – I think they were coming in like around fourteen to sixteen k. Really, that's I may be misremembering it. I don't know. That's like Sportster money. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> How can they charge that much for a Sportster? I, or I guess do they even still make the mm-hmm. quote Sportster, or do they call it like the? No, they're still making a Sportster. I thought they re rebadged it or rebranded it like a the Iron Eight Eighty Three or something. Yeah, they, they've got the Iron Eight Eighty Three and the or the Forty Eight. It's still a Sportster. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, but um, I looked at a soft tail standard for, and it's like a grand more than you know a sportster mm-hmm. um, that's and that soft tail was so much more comfortable of a bike yeah um but yeah it's it's out i mean then the touring bikes are just ridiculous money um it, well you know so you you got yours in the used market mm-hmm. right i mean uh you wouldn't believe what i have in these two bikes so this street glide was like 27k mm-hmm. and i think the paint job on it was like an extra oh yeah because if it's not 1250 or so yeah well so that was a special color that year that tequila sunrise that uh that breakout i got the cvo breakout that was almost forty thousand dollars oh yeah and like nowadays i'm embarrassed to say that at the time i was i don't know i was making a crap load of money and um oh things were good yeah (laughs) and i was like oh who cares i'll buy this second bike I want a third bike now, but I'm kind of torn. Like, what would I buy? I don't. I don't want to get rid of either of these. Yeah. So the, the that street light I have is special for two reasons. It, it's a special paint job, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the first bike I ever owned. Yeah. I don't want to get rid of the the uh, breakout, obviously, because it's it's a hot bike. I oh mean, yeah. Um, I need to hang on to that. What I want, like. You're going to laugh when when I tell you this. I've looked at uh, – so I've, I've, I said I've shopped these adventure touring bikes. I'm also looking at that live wire big time. But, I just don't know how I would fit on that bike because yeah. it's like a sports bike configuration. Well, the big thing about it that gets me on is the range. Yeah. That's the – I mean, it would be good for – no, so clear, clearly you and I aren't going to ride yeah. you know, me on a live wire and you on your – um, shark nose, whatever it's Road called. <laughs> Road glide. <laughs> uh, two light, two headlight bike. Um, no, clearly they're not compatible with each other. No. But um, I think it would be a great bar bike, you know, just oh, riding yeah. into town, Absolutely. going to some uh, bike nights and stuff. It's definitely cool. Nobody now. has one around yeah. here or 
very few people have one. So that's what I'm looking at. But then I think like, well, when was the last time I went to a bike night? Like, <laughs> I just don't do this crap anymore. Um, I, so, oh, go ahead. Have you seen the, it was a, they, it got can, well, it got put on the back burner, is the Bronx. It almost looks like the live hmm. wire, but it's a V-twin engine. It's no, like I have that, not seen It's like that. that sport bike, but it's with an actual V-twin. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they come out with it, I would, I would have to, I would think about getting one. I, I really like the look of it. Yeah. Well, I think what I'm, probably what I'm most interested in is just a new street glide. Yeah. Just with uh, the uh, connectivity, you know, the, with the, uh, what do they call the infotainment yeah, center? So like, play. well, now it's, um, it's Bluetooth mm-hmm. and that's, what's missing from this bike. Like if I want to listen, so it's got a single CD player on it. Oh yeah. And the AM, FM radio. Mm. Uh, it has an auxiliary port, so I can play from my phone, but I have to like physically pick up my phone yeah. and select the songs I want to play on it. Um, you know, the new ones are, uh, you know, just you got thumb controls mm-hmm. uh, at the handlebars, and you can take calls through it theoretically. You know, yeah. with hands. Well, I don't want to say hands free. You're always yeah. always hands on, but um, you know that that's just crap you can't do on this bike. Yeah, um, that's what's so attractive about a new touring bike now. Well, we'll yeah, but then I can't justify having two touring bikes yeah. in the in the garage here check out uh fathead cycles oh, i'm sure there's a retrofit for this right um, or whatever you cut, on my, mine has the touchscreen and the gps and all that but the gps is so out of date it doesn't matter um but my replace mine with um it's a sony like a car stereo that mm-hmm. they kind of make a little more weatherproof mm-hmm. and i have apple carplay and i have it Ooh. it ties into my i had already have the actual thumb control so mm-hmm. um and it's an option too because I have I got rid of my antenna in like the in the fairing antenna. No, that's and, what that's what I did. I put the antenna in the fairing because I used to have the two that stuck out yeah. behind me. <laughs> yeah, I always kick them when I got off the bike. <laughs> yep, me too. Um, but that's an option, um, and mine works pretty well. I like it pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have a tour pack on yours? I just have the one that I had on my Road King. It's a leather tour pack. It's a hard fiberglass wrapped in leather. I don't have an actual Harley tour pack because i'm not spending like the one that's is behind you not the saddlebags yeah yeah i don't i don't think i realized you had one of those on your old bike i had to i purchased one for this uh street glide and um what what's, i haven't really put it fully to use yet what's funny is that you can do a street glide and put a tour pack on it and it's worth more than if you bought an ultra that already has a core. Right. On it. <laughs> I believe it. I mean, street glide is like the legendary. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the Harley Davidson. In my opinion, that's why I bought yeah. a street glide. Cause that it was my vision of what a Harley Davidson was that, you know, that single headlight that, um, yeah. Okay. I see that, you know, the, um, the fork mounted fairing, Yep. you know, um saddle you know hard saddle bags that's that's what i thought a harley davidson was i never when i thought of a harley davidson i never thought about the soft tail 
or the fat boy or any of those other bikes or the, yeah. even the sportster even the, like the sportster is another legendary bike oh, yeah. obviously but that never entered into my brain yeah. i my I, when i was going to buy a harley it was going to be a street glide no questions asked and then like with me my <clears> thought <throat> was the road king my old road king mm-hmm. i had i like the fact it had the the windshield and i could take the windshield yeah. off and um that was my idea and yeah. then, then I got rid of it, and I kind of wish I would never got rid of it. But. No. <laughs> well, I bet you, I bet you like touring uh, on that Road King. The Road Glide or Ro- Road Glide. I know there's so many, so many <laughs> names. Glide Kings. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah, the Road Glide. It's, a, it's the same bike I have, but it has two headlights. Yeah, two headlights, and the fairing doesn't move. Yeah. Um, I definitely do like it. It's. Yeah. And, no, that has to be a very stable ride. It is. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, you probably don't notice it, the weight of the fairing on the handlebars, but mm-hmm. I just like being a little different. Too. Well, if I'm on the highway, this is what I feel. Oh, yeah. There's just that very fine vibration of the handlebars. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, it's not enough to not send you. Her, yeah, no, but uh, you, you certainly notice it. Um, and especially if you get in the turbulence of like a truck or something, yeah. so like you 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 got to drop the hammer and pass everybody, you know that yeah. you're ever behind. Um, I'm sure you know you just yours just cuts through the wind yeah, like mine, a knife. Yeah, mine doesn't. A buddy of mine has like, he has a victory with the fairing mount or the his fairings mount to his handlebars. Mm-hmm. He was riding behind me, and he was he actually made a comment because we like passed a truck and it like pushed him over. And my bike just stayed straight. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. But uh, truthfully, if I bought another bike, I've actually been, I almost kind of, have you looked at the BMW, um, their cruiser they're making? No, I've, I have admittedly never shopped a BMW. I, it's actually a pretty good looking bike mm-hmm. and it's a, it's like the boxer six cylinder. It's supposed to make pretty good power. Um, I almost want like an old, like I, I would, thought about like an old cafe racer doing like i thought about looking at like a, a triumph boulevard or a yeah i really I, there's something about that old school bonneville look that i really like yeah and again like i mean yes i i like the idea yeah of those old bikes however like there's no way i'm gonna sit on one and ride one yeah ever unless i get skinny like you're probably going to get hopefully i get <laughs> <laughs> the funny part is we were talking about bmis earlier to be in a normal bmi i literally have to be half the size i am same here like <laughs> imagine me 170 pounds yeah now i was on the scale the other day um uh 342 and i told you that's the heaviest i've mm-hmm. ever weighed my previous worst was 335 when I dieted um, like a couple years ago mm-hmm. and at that, on that diet, I got down to like two seventy ish. Yeah. Felt great. Yeah. But, uh, but I can't remember what happened. Something happened. Maybe COVID happened. Yeah, that's why I, like, I was- no, that's exactly what happened. Like that. No, I, I, I remember now that the COVID happened and I think Megan and I panicked, like we're never going to be able to get the food we want. Let's buy all this shit. And that's what we've been eating ever since. Yeah, because you used to it. You know, this taste, this is shit food, but it tastes good. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. But no, so, uh, and I don't even know what the BMI is, because, like, I'm taller, right? And mm-hmm. 
people always tell me things like, oh, you're not that big. You're so tall. I'm like, I'm freaking huge. <laughs> like, don't patronize me. But, um, yeah, I, gosh, I, I've got to do better. I was doing pretty well until um, COVID and the holidays hit. Oh, well, every single holiday is an excuse yeah. to overeat, right? And, then and like, how many freaking holidays have we got in yeah. this country? Like a hundred of them? <laughs> yeah. That, and I was like, well, I'm going to have surgery. I mean, I've got plenty of time to lose more weight. And yeah. then it sneaks up on you. No, it's like, so you have to, <laughs> it sucks. Like, you know, you're, you're dieting and you get, you feel compelled to back off for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, or, well, there's always an Easter dinner. Yeah, New Year's. You always, uh, oh, yeah. God, New Year's. Forget, yeah, there's, that's a party. You're going to drink champagne and yeah. beer and liquor. And, and then we'll have cabbage um, soup the next day. Freaking uh, Memorial Day is a big cookout. You're going to eat about eight hamburgers that day. Uh, July 4th, same thing, mm-hmm. except maybe it's four hamburgers and four hot dogs. <laughs> uh, can't forget St. Patty's yeah. Day. Oh, dear. Like, no. See, I mean, there, it's... Yeah. Why are our holidays so food centric? It's the American way. It is the American way. And, uh, yeah. And drinking beer, like I, <laughs> my brother, Sam, he won't drink anything except those Mick ultras. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, you know why they have so few calories is because there's like no alcohol in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, if if you're drinking them to get intoxicated, well, you're going to drink freaking thirty of them. Yeah. So th- then you blow out the whole <laughs> the uh, dieting thing, thing, right? Um, I I can't do the McUltra. I think that the the least like the 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 most diet beer that I can do is these natural lights, and that's what I'm drinking tonight. Have you seen? Have you tried the Blue Moon? Um, yes, uh, Lots guy. Lot, yes, I have tried that. That's good. Um, and I don't know, maybe I could convert to that. That's what I, I only thinking. I only had a six pack of that not too long ago, maybe a month ago. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. This natural light though this this goes back to high school. I would say that this, this goes back to when I was buying beer. So you're you're so much younger than me. You probably never experienced this, or maybe you did, given where you grew up. I don't know. Uh, but here in Huntington. <clears throat> uh, Back in the, so when did I turn 16? That would have been 1991. Back in 1991, (laughs) if you had a photo ID, a place would sell you beer. Really? Nobody looked at your birth date. Nobody calculated your age. If you showed photo ID, the beer was yours. (laughs) So when I was 16 years old, we were drinking natural light here in Huntington, and uh, and I still do to this day. <laughs> I mean, there's worse. There's there's definitely worse beers. No, but I, so I've told this story to people much younger than me, and they're like, "Are you kidding me? Like, you you have to be 21 to get beer." And I'm no, it was a different time. <laughs> people did not give a shit. There weren't police hovering around everywhere. There weren't the- security cameras. There, you didn't have to scan someone's. There weren't different color license. Yeah, there wasn't like a, a barcode on the license. All that is like no. They they if you had a photo ID, the beer was yours. <laughs> the cigarettes were yours. Whatever. Like yeah, different time, man. It and I told someone the other day. Here we are in a tangent again. <laughs> Happens. 
I told someone the other day that um, when we were when we were in high school um, at the old Huntington High, I always have to qualify that the old Huntington High. Uh, that place was open campus, which is n- unheard of now, mm-hmm. right? There, there's no high school, I don't think, anywhere in this country <laughs> that's an open campus right now. But so we were open campus, which meant like you, the morning break, you could walk out of the building. Mm-hmm. And what did we do? We lit up cigarettes <laughs> and we freaking rolled dice or something. You pitch quarters up against the curb. At the lunch break, you could leave the building. What did we do? Uh, if you had a, if any one of us had a driver's license, had a car, we drove somewhere and got takeout, um, and we would get twelve pack of beer, and you know the the five, the four or five, six of us would drink that twelve pack of beer uh, in the alleyway across from Huntington High, and. <laughs> Like I, and like I said, roll dice or pitch quarters against the curb, like it, that. That's what we did. It, it, that, those were my formative, uh, you know, teenage years. Uh, and people say like, "You did not drink beer when you went to school." And I'm like, "Yeah, we had beers at lunch." I mean, and yeah. uh, have you ever? You've been to Davis's place, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yep. So back in the day, like this is before the the, the redo or renovation of Davis's place, it, it was an absolute hole in the wall. Oh yeah, back then it was tiny, and the high point of that place was they had a shuffleboard table. Mm. <laughs> it was like the only place I'm serious, the only place in Huntington that had a an actual shuffleboard, uh, you know, with the sand on it yeah. and those little discs you push, an actual shuffleboard table. But um, you could go over there at lunchtime. And if you had a freaking photo ID, <laughs> you could drink natural light on tap and get your uh, freaking beans and cornbread for lunch. And it costs like $3, $3 to get a few beers and beans and cornbread. Can't go wrong with there. No, no. Uh, and I love, I love Davis's place to this day. Uh, it's a different establishment now. It is much nicer, but, uh, and then, oh my gosh. So we're getting in the way back machine here. Caddy corner to the old Huntington High School. So uh, where uh, the first century bank was now, what is it now? It's the West Banco. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Um, that used to be Dwight's. Oh, yes. Do you remember the old Dwight's? So Dwight's is gone from Huntington. There yeah. was a Dwight's uh, on the corner of 8th Street and... What was that 10th Avenue, I think? Uh, and then there was one in the west end of Huntington. Where, where um, no one no, kitchen is now. Not quite, not quite the west end. It was on 1st Street. Right? Yeah, there by. It's tore down now. But yeah. it's in between the bank and like yes. Kroger. Yeah, so there's. But there was a Dwight's there. And, uh, and I will never forget this. So this is something you didn't have to show ID for this. They had one of those pull tab cigarette machines and you just dropped chi chis was the same way and i won't forget this either you dropped five quarters in it pulled the thing you got a pack of camel lights now how much does a pack of cigarettes cost now like eight dollars <laughs> <laughs> and uh and you got a show id and everything yeah. but no we could 
because we all we drank beer at lunch and we smoked <laughs> cigarettes. You could go to Dwight's Caddy Corner uh, from the old Huntington High School, drop five quarters in it, pull the tab, and you got a pack of Camel Lights or Marlboros or whatever you smoked. Yeah, I remember- those are the glory days, man. Like there, there are no pull tab cigarette no. machines left, right? Yeah. Teach. I remember <laughs> Chi-Chi's was that way too. <laughs> I miss Chi-Chi's. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I don't smoke any longer, and I'm so glad I don't. It's disgusting. But, uh, man, that was the thing. When I was in high school, you smoked. And you drank, and you put away a couple beers at lunchtime. <laughs> you got me beat there. When Megan and I were in high school, we had the Rebel Barn we could go to, which was right out back of the high school. Rebel Barn. And everybody would go out just right off of the campus and smoke. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. They didn't consider it an open campus, right? No. Yeah, you couldn't drive. Uh, no. Well, where in the fuck would you drive you to anyways? To, you have to go to Fort Gay or go to Lisa. <laughs> 20 yeah. minutes back down yeah, the road. Yeah, we're sitting near McDonald's yeah. or freaking Arby's or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that school is in the middle of nowhere, is Absolutely. it not? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I feel sorry for you guys. You literally are driving on a two-lane road, and all of a sudden, there's a high school to your left, and then you're past it. (laughs) And then you're back to nothing. (laughs) And that wasn't even the school that Megan was supposed to go to Mm -mm. at the time, right? She was supposed to go to... um, Tug Valley. Tug Valley. I don't even know where Tug Valley is. It's in um, Delbarton. And is that the same thing? Like, there's nothing there, right? Oh, there's absolutely nothing there. It's even worse than Tulsa. Oh, God. oh my. Oh, you depraved young children. <laughs> oh. So you are, You wait, you told me you're 30. I'll be 34 you, next month. You will be 34. Well, so will Megan. Well, not next month, but mm-hmm. Megan will be in August, right? Yep. You're the same year in school. Mm-hmm. I thought she told me that you were younger than her. No, it's interesting. I understand. I'm pretty sure I'm just barely older than her. <laughs> well, it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've known. I said I probably got a picture of her somewhere because I, oh. I found I found my yearbook a few months ago. I, I, well, I keep telling Megan that I'm. I'm going to send her parents uh, that legacy box thing, you know, where you can get your your old VHS videos or, oh, yeah. or whatever transferred to digital. You can get your pictures transferred to digital. I'm going to buy them a, the legacy box thing, like for Christmas or whatever, and I'm going to get all of the young Megan stuff uh, well, digitized. Let, well, let me tell you, um, just imagine the way she looks now. <laughs> exactly the same. No, I know she does. Oh. Whereas I look at myself whenever I was that age, and I don't look anything like that. Well, you did. I bet you didn't have any facial hair back then. That's the big difference. Oh, hold on here. Oh, every time I go to her mother's house, uh, her mother has her senior picture up on the wall, where she's in like some tattered jean shorts uh leaning up against the number whatever year it was she graduated in like oh five yeah (laughs) (laughs) i was 1993 
<laughs> oh, there we go. That's you. That's me. Seven, 17 or 18. That doesn't even look like you. I know. No. Not even if you put a beard on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. I think, uh, luckily, I came from an era where everything was on film. Nothing was digital. So, I mean, obviously, there were there are yearbooks that have my photos in them, and people could snap those. But yeah. all of the candid stuff that I did, all the nonsense I did, there's no video evidence. <laughs> there's no photographic evidence of it. Never will be. Um, that's the most glorious thing about my upbringing <laughs> is that there – we weren't digitized at all i mean i oh my gosh i've told my son tucker i said uh man i i'll never forget when i went to mexico after i graduated high school that was my senior trip and i went down there and i I went sport fishing and you know i caught a couple of big marlins i caught a bunch of mahi mahi fish and um and he says, like, oh, d- did you put it on your Facebook? <laughs> and I said, dude, I uh, I took pictures of it on a disposable camera. <laughs> and he says, yeah, but did you upload it before oh, he threw the camera away? And I said, no. So the disposable camera was on film. You had to send the, photo- the camera to the developer or take it to the developer. And you got pictures back um like you know three by five or whatever four by six postcard pictures and he's like do do what (laughs) i said yeah you'll never understand this and the thing is like so all those glorious Mm -hmm. uh sports fishing pictures i had they're gone like i I don't know where they are yeah i don't know where the negatives are i don't know where the prints are it's lost forever, but uh, so you could really throw them by. Does he even know what a, <laughs> an actual like cassette is? <laughs> so he does know what a cassette is because he he went through this phase where he was in this this retro mm. mindset. And there is some joint uh, downtown Huntington, I think, who's uh, like a retro reseller, mm. and he got into it because they sold like old Nintendo games and old sega genesis games and stuff but i think they sell like cassettes and uh stuff like that um he does know what a floppy disk is the original yeah now i told him i said there's the five and a quarter inch (laughs) floppy disk and then there's the 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 three and a half inch floppy disk that wasn't didn't look like it was floppy but inside it was floppy (laughs) (laughs) oh god i remember playing oregon trail on the original floppy yeah, you died of dysentery. Or you couldn't shoot enough squirrels yeah. to support your family, whatever. You get eaten by a bear while you're trying to <laughs> shoot whatever. Holy cow. Oh, good stuff, man. Uh, well, <laughs> let's wrap this up. Uh, anything in closing? I don't think so. Uh, this is... Uh... I guess we'll come back on after uh, you're gonna a couple ha- weeks. You're going to have your surgery when? It is day after tomorrow. Day after tomorrow. Unbelievable, dude. Well, uh, listen to me. I know you're going to do fine. I hope so. I I know you're going to do fine. Um, the, the surgery part doesn't really scare me. It's the 
I just hope I don't fail afterwards. Well, I think that uh, <laughs> I was never going to go into this, but I think that's probably the, the elephant in the room. Yeah. Is um, the failure rate yeah. for bariatric surgery. But um, we'll we'll just talk about this afterwards, okay? Works but for me. I, um, you're going to do fine going to surgery, man. Don't you worry about anything. Uh, you're going to have a good crew there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think you've got a good surgeon. He and I have had our differences. <laughs> um, but, no, I, I honestly think you have a fine surgeon. Um. And you'll have a fine anesthesia crew. I, you know, I, I know I've, I was a part of that department at some point, and obviously I have my opinions on on some of the staff. Um, but I know you, you'll be you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. And um, no, I I absolutely look forward to seeing you afterwards and 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 see how things are going. Like I like I said at the intro, it's at least a two part interview i anticipate seeing three parts um because well i would love to talk to you almost immediately afterwards i mean as close as i can to immediately afterwards and then and then i would also like to hear your insight several months oh yeah post-op you know and and so i'm trying to I'm looking up in my uh, brain right now. Like, what? When is that going to put it? So you're, you have surgery Monday. Um, maybe I can talk to you four weeks, like a month after that, to get the immediate. And then, like, how long? How long would we wait to see? Like, Ooh, they say about six what is the quote? What is the quote? Long term. Uh, so six months after that, so that's going to put us like deep into fall, yeah, or or, or into fall, back into holiday season, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I'm just thinking, like, would we get any rides in by then? We we have to have at least one oh, ride yeah. in by then. As soon as I can stand up and actually walk without hurting, I yeah. will try to be on the bike, and I will try to get at least one of the fucking batteries on these things charged up. Or I'll just get by another battery. <laughs> I don't know. Should what do you think? <laughs> Should I change the oil in them? Probably it breaks down. Even if they're not running, yep. that's o- bullshit. Oil has a shelf life. <sighs> no, it doesn't. No, I'm, I, I'm telling you, it does. I refuse to believe that. But <laughs> I'll buy into that, though, at least for the sake of. Uh, giving some business to the dealership down there. <laughs> I won't change it on my own. I know I probably could, but now I'll take it down there. Um, all right. Well, a, a Ron. And I love calling you that. I, love it. Um, certainly nice to talk to you tonight, man. I'm glad, glad you back. came out. Glad you came out. It's been too long. Agreed. And, um, like I said, you're going to do great in a couple of days. Um, I know it's frightening. You'll Def, be definitely frightening, dude. You'll be fine, but pay off in the end. Yeah. Oh, certainly, man. Now I fully believe that. I I truly do. I'm just not to that point um, <laughs> in my health and body image yet. 
<laughs> by the way, I'm glad we met shirts again. Oh yeah, well I'm I <laughs> I'm wearing Harley shirts probably nine out of ten days. I mean, because yeah. I've got a million of them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we're gonna sign off here, uh, and uh, we'll add some post production stuff uh, and um, look forward to seeing you again, dude. I'm ready. All right, bye bye, folks. <laughs>